Hey everyone, and welcome to the Darkcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Miley, and this is DCI number 83. In this episode, we talk to Connor McCarthy of Impact Games to discuss Hanako Soul of the Samurai, which is an online uh, samurai simulator, if you will. The game is currently in the midst of its Kickstarter campaign, and you can find out more information as well as links to the Kickstarter on our website, darkstation.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, uh, darkstation underscore com, to see when all of our interviews and podcasts are going live, as well as other stuff like reviews and features and, and fun things like that. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, and you can send us an email at podcast at darkstation.com. So thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Now on with the show. Connor I'm doing well thank you for having me absolutely glad glad to have you glad to have you uh, now you guys are, are in the midst of your Kickstarter campaign for Hinako soul of the samurai uh, but before we get into the game itself uh, let's talk a little bit about you uh, what do you like long walks on the beach you know romantic evenings what what um, what's, what's behind Connor McCarthy <laughs> I am a big video game player obviously uh, I also enjoyed making them. Uh, beyond that, though, I am a huge fantasy uh, fantasy reader, so I love spending hours of my day just lost in uh, fantasy books. Mm. And uh, as you, we mentioned before in my picture, I do love cosplaying, so that's always fun for me. And uh, LARPing, I'm also to occasionally join a LARP and you know get some energy out, run around, have a good time. Nice, nice. Well, what do you actually do at? Um... Impact Games. Uh, for Impact Games, uh, specifically with this project, uh, I am one of the co-game designers. So there's actually three of us that work on game design, and we, um, you know, we we split that up and, and we convene about multiple things. And then on top of that, I also am the lead level designer, and I do a little bit of the creative writing, so a little bit of the lore, um, you know, a little bit in the Hanako universe, creating some of our characters and our backdrop, and then. Uh, Anywhere else that I kind of need to fall into the pipeline, if I have the skill set to do it, I will try to fall into the pipeline to help out. Very cool. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's an indie studio, so everybody kind of does a little bit of everything. Yeah, yeah, a lot. And I do, uh, we do a lot, I do a lot of project management, so, you know, a lot of document creation and just writing down a lot of the things, making sure our thoughts stay clear and we can go back to it and look at, you know, previous things that we were working on or what we planned, where we planned to be and what we plan to work on down the road, stuff like that. Yeah, documents are, are some of the, like, I, I love the outcome of writing, but there are times where I just really hate writing, and whoever figures out how to make, like, thought-to-text, like, transcription happen, like, they're going to rule the world. That would awesome. actually be so awesome, because I, I do spend a lot of late nights sometimes writing up stuff. We actually have... Because we have some of our team members are in different time zones, some of them are in different countries, so we have to make sure that we have you know documentation so that we can make sure that all of our thoughts scattered across these different time zones and different spaces are collected in the appropriate places. So there's no question. 
Yeah, there's no question. We have to be like, oh, we have to go pull up that email thread again because that's the worst. Is bad to try to remember <laughs> that the email is thread. That's the worst. <laughs> yep. And then, and if that email thread has like 50 responses, being like, yep. Okay, all right, we'll get through this. Like, which response was it that had the good idea? Yeah. Damn half, it. Of those, <laughs> half of those are joke responses, and you're like, no, I don't think I approve this, but that is my handwriting. I'm not sure. I yeah. yeah, this so uh, yeah, so definitely documentation is a necessary evil until somebody can do thought documentation. Yeah. I like that. It'll be good. It'll be good. Um, so have you guys worked on any previous games before, Hanako? Uh, as a group, we haven't. Uh, individually, the team has had a lot of different experience working on a multitude of projects. Some of them games. Uh, some of them more things like web design or app design. Mm. Uh, but as far as Impact Games itself, this will be the first project for that company. Nice. And if I was reading correctly, this is specifically like your baby. You were the you were the first one on for this. No, that was actually uh, one of our other co-founders. That was Matthew Kanai. Um, it originally started after his mother had passed uh, during college, and he wanted to create a project for her. And this was his idea, you know, Hanako. And uh, we had actually met. Me and him went to the same school. We had met. We became friends. We started working on this project together. And then we picked up our third co-founder, Ajinis Hamas, who was uh, our only programmer at the time while we were in school. And uh, since then, the project has grown to become what it is now, you know, a much, much larger thing. But initially, it was Matt's, Matt's, eye, Matt's brainchild. Very nice. Now, is so is is this a direct result of kind of the project to honor his mom, or has it has it morphed a lot since then, or is it still kind of the same idea? It's, the root of the project still has a lot of what Matt wanted to contribute to show to his mother. A lot behind the music, the story, the art. Um, you know, Hanako means flower child in Japanese, and it was very close to the name Jane, which was his mother's name. So the, the very core of everything, down to the symbolism of both clans and how they're represented in the game, that's still very true to his vision of when he wanted to start the project. Uh, as far as where it is now, it has also evolved, obviously, into a much, a much larger project where we've grown into a larger team, a larger family. And um, you know, now there's a lot of people's dreams kind of put into this game as well. Very cool. Uh, now, how did you get into... Uh, kind of this project. Did you go to school for game design, or? Yes, uh, I went to Savannah College of Art and Design, the Atlanta okay. campus. That's where I met Matt, and uh, we were actually in the game design curriculum together. And uh, we we, uh, we started talking, and um, yeah, actually it was funny because at first all three of us co-designers we we all didn't like each other at first, and then <laughs> we all and then somehow we all just became like really good friends. And we started working on this project together, and it became a senior project, like something we continued. We continually ended up working on it outside of school, hmm. and then we brought it into school as a senior project. And um, it it did really great in school. Uh, got a lot of great reception <laughs> from our from our faculty and from um, from fellow students. And um, so that so that was how we got involved with the project. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Now you said, are, are you guys still in Atlanta, or the me, Matthew, and Ajni are still currently in Atlanta? Okay. Um, some of our team members, like I said, are here. Some are other places. 
Right. I, I only asked because I, I mm-hmm. currently live in Covington, so I'm like an oh, hour okay. away from you, forty minutes away from you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We have a we have a couple members in Duluth, and uh, yep. I personally am in uh, like downtown Atlanta. Okay. Yeah, I was actually in in Duluth uh, yesterday doing IT. So. <laughs> okay, there you go. There you go. Uh, that means nothing to anybody else, but yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I'm I'm uh, lost. I'm yep, in Jacksonville and outside of Florida. It's all a complete mystery. Yep. There's there's places ever otherwhere. There are there <laughs> are places elsewhere in the otherwhere. World. Yeah, because I'm. This is the South. <laughs> <laughs> it's all just one connected piece. Of the South. Yeah, it's all just runs together like the language. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, now you mentioned that you got people kind of all over the place. Uh, how many actually, how many people do you have working on uh, Hanukkah? Currently, we have about twelve people on the team. Okay. So uh, I think a decent sized team. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So, what is Hanukkah? As uh, it is a, it's a three D. It's a 3D action. I like to call it a 3D action game, kind of. Um, it's it's a class-based game uh, where you are going to be taking on either the role of playing the Hanukkah clan or the Yamai clan, and you guys are going to be deciding the fate of our fictional Japan, our fictional Sengoku era Japan. Okay. Um, so you'll have, you'll have four classes to play with. Um, there are skill trees for every class. But we are trying to focus more on skill, uh, like skilled player-based play, rather than just skills or combos. So we ended up using or going with what we're calling our directionally driven-based combat, where um, you know, depending on what direction you're currently moving in or clicking in, that will affect the type of attack that you're doing. Very cool. Now, now, second uh, question and most important question of the night. Will there be pillows in the final game? <laughs> we haven't we haven't decided yet. <laughs> we're looking we're looking for a, a, probably a reception of how well that went over. But uh, it was fantastic. It was, I was going to ask if Kenshi meant pillow class because no. that guy you guys seemed have fun? Like, that guy seemed like a natural. <laughs> you guys had fun with it. I'm glad. Yes, <laughs> it was actually something that we wanted to do. It was a last minute thing. We were making the demo, and last year for April Fools. I was sitting down with the team, and one of the ideas that we just came up with during a meeting was how funny would it be if we had a bunch of samurais fighting and giggling, and they were having like this big, you know, samurai pillow fight. And we made the video. I think you do your tutorial with pillows, (laughs) and you don't earn your sword till you pass it. If you you can't fight other samurai with pillows, you you can't fight with a sword. Yeah, that's actually a great idea. We uh, so yeah, we made the video. It was a huge hit, and then this year when we were like, oh, the demo's going to be out near December 1st, we have a great idea. On the 1st, it'll switch out your sword for a pillow, and you can play a pillow fight mode. So <clears throat> I'm glad to hear you guys enjoyed it. Hopefully the other people listening or who have played it would also enjoy it. Now, the demo is the demo's kind of like a, a wave-based combat just because it's basically you and the AI. Um, how is the how, What's the vision for how the, the full game is going to run? Yeah, um, so yes, correct. We did that just because of the uh, one-verse-nobody situation that you'd be having. But the actual game is meant to be uh, team-based, so our maps are meant for like 8-verse-8, 16-verse-16, and any given number is somewhere between there. Um, We don't have any current plans to have a mode where you would be playing single-player against 
uh, waves like we do in the demo, or just a single player period for the moment. Oh, okay, so the de- this is literally like just proof of concept. Like, this yeah, is this... How, this is what it's kind of gonna kind of gonna feel like. Just pretend you have a real person on the other side. Yeah, we really wanted to get everyone in there to uh, just showing the directionally driven based combat and some of the ideas we had. We knew that wasn't gonna cut it. You know, we really wanted to sell our concept, our idea, and our passion to everybody. Plus, we also figured, I mean, what better way to say, hey, you know, give us, you know, some support is you could play the game. You could see that there's something there already for you to play, and here's where we're going with it. Now, with the with the directional-based combat, like, so, playing the demo um, with, with the Pillow Man, because that's, that's what I'm going to call him from right now, <laughs> with the Pillow Man, um, the, the, the attacks seem to kind of sweep forward, uh, depending upon what you were doing. Um, I know that there were the there were two spirit attacks, I believe they are. One was almost kind of like a rush, and the other one was more like kind of a rushing stab, or rushing pillow stab. Um, <laughs> what stab. is this all like? Is this all based on actual samurai movement, or is this just kind of the ideal that you wanted to put forward for this kind of combat? So uh, when it comes to the kenshi, we actually have a friend that studied uh, kenjutsu. So he actually studied like samurai sword techniques and things like that. So some of the attacks are based off of research we've done and things we've done with him. And some of it is in there because this is a game and we want some fun, awesome things to be able to just be like, this is a game and you're going to look cool while you're wielding this sword around or pillow. Uh, But as far as some of the other concepts that we threw into the demo, they do represent a lot of the places that, that we're going with the game. Awesome. So what... Mm-hmm. No, go, John. Go, I was go. just going to ask, um, so how how did the classes vary in terms of attacks, um, uh, chi abilities, all that kind of stuff? Okay, so we're going to have four basic classes that you can get into when the, when the game is fully released. Each class is going to have two styles of attack. I don't know if you noticed with the Kenshi, but if you hit the Q button... He should go from kind of like what we consider a light stance to uh, holding the sword backwards. Kind totally of. heavy Oron stance. Right, yeah. So, yeah, it's a heavy Oron stance. You do more damage, but you're, you're, you do more root motion. You're you know, rooted down a little bit more. So we want every class to have two different ways to approach in a situation just from a base attack style. So that's, that's the first thing. Um, the second one when it comes to their abilities to attack is... Um, you know, we're really trying to take the traditional classes that exist, like the rock, paper, scissor deal. You know, you have like a really medium style class, you have a long range class, and then give them just enough tweaks to make them a different, unique experience to play. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, for example, with our archer, we are currently working on a system where if you run out of arrows, you could possibly start using your bow to attack other people. Like, your bow becomes a weapon. Like the arrow in the TV show. I like it. I'm on board. <laughs> yeah. Let's yeah, move we, forward with this. We even have this one skill that I came up with. Well, I didn't come up with, but we we came up with for uh, the archer where he could take an arrow out and use it kind of as like a, a stabbing mechanism. So you can just run up and stab someone with your arrow, much like you've probably seen an arrow before. So, um, yeah, we're trying to take every class and just make sure that they're they're as unique and fun as possible within the the class range we're trying to build them into. I like it. 
I like it. Uh, what what are the other classes? So we've got um, the so we have archer. The, got the we have uh, yeah we have, so we have the Kenshi who um, he's really the class that we're making for kind of your all around first experience for Hanukkah. You know something to really sink your teeth into the game with, and um, he's going to be your swordsman class. Then you have the Ite, which is our archer. Uh, then we have our Naginata class, and uh, he. I believe, uh, like you see on the Kickstarter, he's going to be a little bit more of a tank class, you know, the ability to get in there and maybe wipe out, clear out a section of guys if they're in your way, or just draw attention to himself. Uh, and then our fourth class is the ninja, and he is more of a specialist class. There is a little bit more uniqueness to that class and the things that they can do. Um, so those are, those are our four classes. Very cool. Brian, I interrupted you earlier. Yep, and you, you remember you completely ruined the train, so I'm working yep. on it. Okay. I was trying to I was trying to find out where my last thread was and it was gone, so <laughs> Sorry going. about that. That's no, all right. It, I'll I'll remember it while you're talking and then I'll interrupt you that's, and hey, be good. It's like, that that's the way this works. Um <laughs> So, uh are the uh the chi abilities for each class different? Do you get to choose those? How how do those come into to play? Um, so your combos, like the ones you have in the demo, the two that we gave you up front, those players will be able to uh, choose through the skill tree. The skill trees will be split into three prongs. Um, you will be able to either go up and master the current weapon that you're wielding, or you can go up the middle, you can go up the second tree which will produce a entirely different weapon for you to learn how to play with after you've gone up the entire tree and the third tree is more like a um, increasing your base stats you know increasing your spiritual stuff it's really enhance different things of your player depending on how you're playing as far as native abilities um, that will vary for every class, some classes won't have a native Kai or may not have a native Kai ability or spirit ability, where others, it is more intuitive for them to have that. So we're, we're still working on some balancing around that. Okay. Um, when you come to like multiplayer stuff, there's a lot of kind of balance work that goes into it. Um, and especially this with like, um, you know, dealing with samurai swords and uh, Naganadas and that kind of thing. What? How do you see the basic one-on-one -on -one fight going? And then it, it, to kind of expand that out. So, like, starting with like you know, say Kenshi versus Kenshi. Um, mm -hmm. Do you foresee it going a bunch of back and forth? Is it going to be like one or two quick strikes that ends up winning it? Um, in your mind, what does it look like? In my mind, what it what it looks like, um, and what we tried to strive to create is the ability to have a couple back and forths. So if you're fighting one-on-one, -on -one, it's not just going to be two or three hits, you're down for the count. You know, it's the, I strike a couple hits, you strike a couple hits, I block, I counter, you block, hopefully maybe you counter, and you're looking at maybe doing like six to eight hits completely before somebody goes down, if we're not including any sort of combos or special abilities, just straight attacking. That was, that was really what we were trying to aim for with the base gameplay, um, that we were trying to shoot for with the demo as well, is to show that we were looking to hopefully create a game that wasn't just running in there and hitting a bunch of numbers to pull off as many specials as possible, 
but really focusing on you know how you were going to attack all your enemies. You go in, you do a couple strikes, get off a block, which hope at the done at the right time will pull off a counter. You go in, do a couple more strikes, maybe finish off with a skill, and then back off and find the next enemy. Okay. So is uh, is that kind of seven or eight hits? mostly for sword fighting or is that like does it take seven or eight arrows how no, it's, it's not it's not going to be it's not going to be the same number for everything but as far as when it comes to balancing i mean that that was initially where we started we started with how many hits should it take to kill an opponent of the same class as you and um you know no skills no specials no nothing just just straight fighting and then those were kind of the base stats we went off of when we started creating the other classes, doing like a rock, paper, scissor. So I was like, okay, well, if it takes this many hits to just fight someone with a sword and to kill them, you know, how many shots should it take with an arrow? Versus how many shots should it take, how many hits should it take with the polearm uh, if they're a stronger, heavier class? So that's, that's really how we started that. And that's how we keep doing it. Uh, we keep having to be like, okay, so now that you have special skills, we have to add that into the equation. And then when we add a new class, it's, you know, how does this class supposed to take on this class at a regular pace? Like, what are we looking at as far as, you know, hit-to-death ratios and um, looking at those numbers and tweaking those out to make sure that we have as fun a, a fun and fair play as possible. So you're not just, like, walking into a mat and being like, bump, bump, you're done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's, that'd be the worst if you know you just kind of run into each other and the person who clicks the left stick the most you know the left button the most they win just because right. that sword just goes flying and I mean I forget what game it was that looked like that but that was you know that, that, that was my fear kind of going into this and it, I, at least it looked good with the pillows so <laughs> yeah. well play 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 with the swords I mean you can usually get a decent amount of uh, hits in there before you go down. Uh, we yeah. have ar- we have the armor in there too, so you know armor takes some absorption mm-hmm. of your attacks. And now, is uh, that something that you're going to be able to like pick up on the map? Are there going to be like um like power ups or or something else similar to that? No, right now we have no plans to do any sort of pickups for health or maps. Now, what we do have is a mechanic called meditation. So if you hit M on your keyboard you'll just sit down and meditate. And if you're outside of our shrine volume, it just replenishes your spirit at a faster rate. But if you're next to a shrine volume, which we have in the intro video, uh, he's actually meditating next to it. There's the shrine and the cherry blossoms, and they're all falling down. You will regain both health and spirit uh, at the same time. But as far as armor, that would pretty much just come back when when you're revived from um, unfortunately dying. Okay. Got gotcha. So it's kind of like one and done. Yeah. Running there with the R, that's what you got. Yeah. What about, like, if you're an archer, do you, can you find arrows? Can you pick up arrows that you've shot or that other people have shot? Yeah, we will, we will have arrow pickups. Okay. Um, sorry, I guess I was wrong in my statement before. We do have one pickup. <laughs> <laughs> one pickup, and that was the arrow pickup, and that was a huge, long design question. You know, we don't have plans for other pickups, but again, the archer that he runs out of arrows. So that all that actually led us to the, well, what if he can use the bow to attack people when he runs out of arrows? This is like secondary attack stance, you know? And we actually found out there, I believe there is a martial art around that, using your bow as a weapon uh, if you run out of arrows. And we are also talking about maybe the idea of being able to run around and pick up arrows that are in the ground or in the wall 
So if you're running through a littered battlefield, you can kind of just pick up and go, which who wouldn't love that? That'd be great. <laughs> yep. Very useful for an archer on the, on the run. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, now, now, what are you doing in the game when you're not killing other people? Or is it... Are there other objectives kind of in the, the multiplayer battles? Or is it mostly, you know whoever has the most people standing at the end wins. So we have um, we have four different gameplay modes right now, one of which is your traditional deathmatch. Uh, so team deathmatch, you've got your tickets. The second one is a play off of Capture the Flag called Capture the Informant. So that's more objective-based. Uh, another one is our village-style map, and we're still working out exactly how we want our village maps to play out mechanics-wise. And then the final mode we have is what we're calling assassination mode, where one team is in their castle with their daimyo, and the other team needs to break into the castle, which includes kind of breaking through and or over or down a wall, and then breaking into the castle, finding the daimyo, and assassinating him. Uh, so those are, our four, those are our four game modes, and... Not all of them are ticket-based. Some of them are objective-based. Some will have multiple ways to win the match. It could be tickets or objectives. Hmm. So we're, we're definitely trying to go with more than, than just killing. You know, focus on a lot on uh, team cohesion as well with the four different classes and using with, their special uh, abilities. With the informant um, uh, game type, um, do the samurai go by the fabled um, snitches get stitches uh, rule set? <laughs> um, no, you actually, what's going to happen is, uh, so the, the informant will spawn with a, with a scroll, and he needs to make it back to his camp. So he's, on the, he's in the enemy territory, and he needs to make it back. So you have, you have two objectives here. You actually have to get your scroll back to the other end, and you have to decipher it. So it's not just dropping it off. You have to spend like a little bit of time deciphering the scroll that that was given to you that, that you stole and get it back over there. And that, so your team not only has to try to make sure that you get back to, you know, your your goal, like your camp, but you also have to stop the other guy from getting back to his camp. So uh, we've done a couple little quick play tests with it, and it's definitely led to some interesting and fun gameplay because you have to strategically split up your team, right? You can't you can't just be one, about one or the other. You can try, but we haven't seen that successfully work out quite yet. So you you said that the informant spawns in the the enemy's camp. He's going to yeah he spawns on the enemy's side, so not okay. necessarily in the camp. Uh, we definitely want to avoid the ability for you to be just you know people camping ironically right. in their camp and uh, get you. But he'll spawn near the enemy side, and you know then you have to make your way across the map. So so how how is the informant uh, decided? I guess is it just randomly picked when you you die you might come back as the informant or if you're waiting in the pool oh yeah if you're waiting for death you can die um it, it'll probably randomly we're deciding between a couple different ways we're looking at okay. will it randomly choose you or giving the option of does somebody want to play the informant um you know from the pool like you know and if nobody wants to play it then maybe we just have to select randomly gotcha but you're okay. still you're still a full class, you know. It's not it's not anything different. I mean, you'll still play the class that your current character is playing for the map. So you'll just have an extra special item attached to you that everyone wants to either stab you for, or help you get to the other side. Gotcha. So it's 
It's, it's just one person has, like, a special objective. It's not, like, uh, normal capture the flag where everyone's going for the flag. You've got one person on each team that you know, their goal is, is the scroll. Right, okay. and um, you have to do it three times. So in order to win, you have to have this happen three times. You can also take down the person with the scroll that's mm-hmm. not on your team and then take your take your scroll back from them and destroy it, which will force the other team to respawn somebody else and start over again. Or they somebody else from the other team can pick it back up and keep going. Kind of. So a lot of different things going on there. So does, does that count as a, a points for you if you take your scroll back and destroy it? No, it doesn't count for a point for your team. Okay. It just sets it just sets the other team back all the way to the beginning. Right. Okay. I gotcha. So how's the Kickstarter going? <laughs> uh, the Kickstarter is going pretty well. <laughs> um, you know, we're uh, we're trying to get it out there in front of many eyes as possible. We're we're really confident in our projects and in our Kickstarter. The team worked really, really hard on it. And we're really proud of them. So it's it's going pretty good. We're just we're just trying to get it out there. I think that's actually the hardest part with Kickstarter these days is just getting it in front of a bunch of eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. That's what we always hear. It's the you know that you start a Kickstarter and then you never realize that it's like twenty four seven marketing, just trying to get as many people you can to look at it. Um, I yeah. mean, just from what we've done, it looks like you guys are at least. Uh, going in the right direction with the demo and having something available that people can try rather than just having like a video or even just pictures. Yeah, uh, you know, we're trying. Um, we did, uh, we got invited up to come play test and uh, at Epic last week. <laughs> and uh, we're, ma- we're making the game in Unreal Engine 4, so that was a really cool treat for us. So, how's it working with uh, Unreal 4? Uh, I don't. I don't think we've talked to anybody yet that's working with uh, with the new Unreal. Oh, really? Well, we we love it. Uh, we were originally in UDK, and okay. when Unreal Four came out, we had a quick discussion, and everyone was pretty much on board. We we made the switch over as soon as possible, and since then, I don't think we've ever looked back. I mean, it's the engine is fantastic. They're making great improvements to it every month since they've opened it up. You know, into the beta, and then. Now it's a little bit out of beta and a little more open, but it's, it's powerful. It's really intuitive. There's a lot of fantastic tools for us to get things done that we didn't really have access to before. So we have been enjoying Unreal 4 like crazy. Awesome. Yeah, I, over the past couple of years, uh, we've talked to a lot of people that have been using uh, Unity because it was the kind of e- easiest option for a while and now like everything is free or mostly free so it's going to be interesting uh, to see where people kind of gravitate to over the next few months and years oh yeah with the uh, Unreal 4 just going free mm-hmm. yeah well you know I've used both engines before um, and, I, and I love Unity too I just uh, I just love Unreal a little bit more <laughs> <laughs> That's that's totally fair. Um, so tell tell us about the Kickstarter. Why Kickstarter? Why kickstart the game? Well, um, we've been working on the game for a couple years now. We made the switch over to Unreal Four, and um, we're at a good place in the game. But uh, 
we, re we really want to try to finish it in the next year and we just uh, we need some help doing a couple things um, this is a, a project of passion and love for most of us so we're we're doing this in our free time outside of our full-time jobs you know mm -hmm. staying up to like two three in the morning weekends whatever it may be for the individual on the team and um, you know we just we just need some help to finish get it out of where we are, finish pushing through the rest of the project and deliver a really great product to a bunch of people out there. And uh, Kickstarter was the uh, platform that we were, we're hoping is going to be able to help us do that. Awesome. Well, so when, when somebody backs your game, uh, what, are they, what are they actually paying for for you to be able to do? Like what, what, what is their money going towards on, on your end? Oh, well, on our end... You know, a, a lot of the usual. Uh, we need to do some more licensing officially because we don't want to put stuff out there and then have people coming back at us like we need to have a conversation. Like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yep that that is not at that point. That is not the time for that conversation. <laughs> no, that is that is not time for that conversation. Um, usually, a, a a decent portion of it actually goes back to giving back some of the stuff that we're going to make to give to people for doing the Kickstarter, so, you know, sending them items and shipping, and uh, I, I don't know how many people are aware of this, but when you do something like Kickstarter, excuse me, and you you get funded, you know, you, you still have to pay out to, like, you know, the engine maybe that you're using or whoever the payment services, like Amazon or, or Kickstarter, so some of that money goes straight back to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the rest of it is, most of it is honestly just licensing. I mean, licensing costs a, a, good, a good bit of money, especially when you're using a lot of, you know, you're using 3D programs and you maybe have multiple people using different programs. There's a lot of new stuff out there. You know how it is, like every six months there's a new program that maybe comes out where it's like, oh yeah, we can make your characters look like they just walked out of the real world and it only costs $7,000 to have this. <laughs> you're like, oh, well gee, thanks. <laughs> Seven thousand. That's a great deal. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, uh, on the flip side of that, um, when when people back the game, what what are some of the things that they can get? What are some of the rewards that you guys have planned? Well, first and foremost, we'll be doing. A, we have quite a few early access keys out there. For uh, we we did get stream uh, Steam greenlit. Uh, it took us about nine days. So we're already officially greenlit, ready to go. Um, so we're giving away quite a few early access keys, hopefully get a lot of players in there, help us make this game as great as it can be. Um, we also plan on doing some custom in-game stuff like weapons and armor for some of our backers. As far as physical shipment items that you can sport around that'll be specific to the Kickstarter, we've got our official Hanako t-shirt. We have an exclusive hoodie that we were going to be making for this only, for Kickstarter only. We're going to do a full-out design. It's going to look like it has sam. It's going to look like samurai armor covered in like little designs and everything. And uh, we plan on retiring that design after Kickstarter. Uh, let's see. We have a digital art book from one of our artists, Irene. She her work can be seen on the Kickstarter. She did the comic, and she's also done the splash page that you see everywhere with the two samurai fighting each other. We will be having a soundtrack, a digital soundtrack out there from Lawrence Lee, our composer. 
And um, we also plan on making little statues of the characters, like the uh, Naginata and the Samurai, and you can get them in two different color schemes, either Hanako or Yamai, which are also on the splash page. So Hanako is the red character color scheme, and Yamai will be the green character color scheme. Okay. That's just that's just a couple of the things. Very cool. And um, and now now for the sad question that I, I hate asking, but I was waiting for you to ask it. Yeah, I didn't you know, want to bring it up. <laughs> yeah. not, I don't want to be that guy. I don't. I don't think you've ever had to ask it. I I always I always do this. But uh, what what happens if um if you don't make the Kickstarter? Well, let's see. If we don't make Kickstarter, uh, we uh, still plan on moving forward. We have applied for a Unreal Dev dev grant, so we are still waiting to hear whether or not that will happen. So who knows? It could happen this month, next month, never. I don't know. Um, We plan on trying to do a booth at Momocon in Atlanta. Okay. And um, honestly, if this doesn't work out, we will probably come back to Kickstarter again before the year is over and, and um, try to learn from whatever we could and hopefully have a successful campaign. But we're hoping that doesn't need to happen. But, you know, it, if it does, then we'll keep trooping on. Okay. Very cool. Now, quickly transitioning to something happen- happier. Uh, earlier in the show, you mentioned how the multiplayer battles decide the fate of the fictional Japan. And I really want to know how that works because lore in, in games is, is fun and lore in multiplayer video games usually is pretty non-existent so not when I'm involved <laughs> <laughs> um, so the background of the our, our fictional Japan is the Sengoku era, the shogunate has died and it's left a huge power vacuum and all the other daimyo are rising up and, and they're, um, you know, they're, they're vying for power and what happens is you have this one clan to the west, the Yamai, who are basically our bad guys. You know, they're bad guys of the lore, and, and they want a new Japan. They want a stronger Japan, and they're willing to get it no matter what it takes. So they're very, their lands are pretty desolate. They're, they're only focused on war. And then you have the Hanako clan, who is uniting all the provinces and daimyo to the east, and they're a more benevolent clan, you know, everything that you would think of when you think of samurai and the awesomeness that comes with samurai. Mm-hmm. And what happens is the Yamai are going to attack uh, the capital, Kyoto, and the Hanako clan gets there, and they bolster the emperor's forces, and the daimyo is then granted the title of the shogunate. But unfortunately, it's too late because the Yamai, you know, as evil as they are, they're also really good at, you know, fighting and war and, and being deceptive. So Kyoto, as evil people usually are. <laughs> right. And so Kyoto is falling, and um, Hanako clan is tasked with taking the emperor's two sons and returning to the east and training them and bringing them up and then bringing them back to the capital to take it over to defeat the Yamai and restore the, uh, the emperor's dynasty again over Japan and bring peace. So as far as – and that, that's the background. So as far as gameplay goes, what we developed was what we call a tug-of-war system. So there's seven maps initially that you will play in the campaign. Um, And you start in the very middle. It's called Gifu, Crossroads. And you're in the very middle, and whoever wins ends up pushing, you know, either left, right, up, down, however you want to consider that. You're pushing towards 
the end castle of either Hainako or uh, Yamai's territories. Okay, so when you say you start in the middle, there's there's uh, what three maps on either side of the middle, right? Okay, and so if if um, Hanako wins, they push forward to uh, well, Yamai territory. Yamai territory. Okay, all right. Yep, and then and so on. So if if you lose, you know, you get pushed back into your territory. You win, you push into their territory. And the ultimate objective here is to push your opponent all the way back to the very last map the castle map, where you're going to do the assassination mode where you have to kill their daimyo, thus completing either one of their missions, right? Either mm-hmm. Hanako clan is gone now and the emperor's heirs are probably also so, or you have pushed Yamai clan all the way back into their castle and defeated them, and thus you can go retake Kyoto and uh, restore a peaceful dynasty in Japan. Very cool. So will you be, when you start up playing the game... Are you just kind of randomly thrown into one of those seven map campaigns, or is how does how right now work? right now for the sake of game size and for our team and being able to deliver a product that you guys would actually be able to play? Mm-hmm. Uh, we only have the one campaign one campaign with seven maps. Now, one of our stretch goals is to produce these other levels called Shakubas, which would exist so that if you're in an instance where let's say you won a map and then you lost the next map but you win again um, and then you lose again instead of going back and forth consistently there'll be like middle maps you can go to another map and be like all right it's time for you to play a new map now nobody wants to play the same map four or five times in a row Mm -hmm. so these levels will exist to kind of add that variation there but uh, for right now, we just plan on the one campaign. We do want to produce several other campaigns, but okay. you know, I'm just gonna be down the road. Right. But and so, you can, mm-hmm. oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, outside of campaign, we also have a free map mode mm-hmm. where you can pick what maps you want to play in what order, and uh, you can even pick what gameplay style you want to play in them. So if you want to play a map with team deathmatch, or if you want to play another map. That doesn't normally in the campaign isn't played as capture the informant, but you want to make it capture the informant, you could do that too. Okay. Um, so you can do the the free map mode, or you can do the campaign. So anytime you start the campaign, you'll you'll load in with other people in that kind of first map, the middle map of the campaign. And uh, do you have to play through all of the campaign, or do you get like? Merits for for leaving early and abandoning your samurai brethren. We were talking about that whether you'd receive like dishonor for leaving early and abandoning everyone. But uh, no, I, you you won't have um, you won't have any demerits for leaving early. You know, if you leave if you leave early, unfortunately, your team will be down a couple people. Uh, we are trying to make bots as good as they can be, so mm-hmm. maybe they can take the place while you wait for another player who joins in. And um, you know, finds the campaign, and like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll hop in. Okay, so right somebody there. can join in like mid-campaign. You won't necessarily always be starting at map one. No, no, no. You, you, you won't always. But the campaign okay. will always start there. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. I got you. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Brian. You have any more questions before we uh, hop into the end game? No, no. I'm definitely ready. Jump into the end game here. Did you ever remember uh, your question that I interrupted you on? I'm sure I've asked it. Okay, that's good. Yeah. That's, yeah. As long as you're sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. That was, I'm sure it was in there. All right. 
Uh, so we'd like to end our, our uh, interviews with a little bit of a que- personal questionnaire uh, aimed um, at your, your long history of gaming. And uh, we'd like to start right off the bat with a difficult question. Um, who is your favorite video game protagonist? <sighs> that is a difficult question. Um, let's see. I'm going to go with... You know what? I, hands down, probably just going to go with Mega Man. Okay. It's good. Mega Buster and everything. No, no problem. They just don't yeah. in there. Yeah. Me, me, Mega Buster and everything. Always always a huge Mega Man fan. That guy got it done. He did. He did. Yeah. He did. And those are some hard games, so uh, more power to them for, for the people that got through that. <laughs> yeah, even the ones they make now. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, totally, totally. We were just talking about um, uh, Mega Man, uh, what was it, 10 la- X last night? Uh, no, I, the like... one that, where they were just like, you know what, let's just make this as hard as possible. Oh, yeah, Mega Man yeah. 10, that, that was... Yeah. I remember being good at them when I was a kid, and then I went back to the, you know, playing the new ones, 9 and 10, and... And you only still get the same controls you did when you were a kid. And I was like, oh my god, this is so hard. Where's my... <laughs> uh. Yep. So flipping the coin, next question. Who's your favorite video game antagonist? Favorite video game antagonist. Um... Hmm. Hmm. I don't know if I have anything here for a second you know keeping it in the same series i would, I would probably go with uh with proto man okay right. good i was gonna hope i was hoping you were gonna say cut man because then that, this would be over <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah no because pro, pro, proto man was great right he was the he was the first person i can remember playing against you're like ah oh, i really hate that guy but he's so cool and he'd always yes. cut and like pick on you a little bit and, and try to romp on you and then just disappear and then all of a sudden he's helping you and I was just like, what is who this? Who is this guy? Why is he bipolar? Yeah. I'm the one yeah. with the, the crazy robotic dog. He's got nothing. Yeah, why does he have a giant pair of sunglasses on when I'm underwater in a cave? In a cave? Yeah. Was, F that yeah. dude. Totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah, okay. Yeah, now, now I don't like him either, so good. Excellent. Um, uh, next question. Um, what's a what's a current um, kind of like a trend or a trope in gaming that you'd like to see uh, continue? Uh, what's what do you think's good about the industry that you'd love to see just grow more? Um, I think I personally am starting to see a growth in like going back to, to going back to gameplay, like a focus on gameplay. A lot of great games coming out where there's not a huge concern on on graphics and like special effects, but just really fun, maybe a, you know uh, a twist on a classic type of gameplay. Because I think at the end of the day, that's that's some of my favorite things to do. If you've got really good core gameplay, I mean, you you've hit it off. All the other stuff is just added, you know, sprinkles and whipped cream and things like that. Absolutely, yep. absolutely. And flipping the coin on that one, um, what's a bad trope that you'd like to see just go away right right now? That's never had to see that, it again. That's that's as uh, video game length. I have actually been so disappointed lately with paying a bunch of money for a video game and I get about like 20 to 30 hours out of it. And, um, you know, because a lot of it just goes to, again, like graphics. Oh, check out, check out, our game looks amazing and you can attack 50 people. And I was like, great, 
can I explore? Can I do other things? What's I just gave you eighty dollars for like a night of gameplay? That's I, something's wrong right there. Those fifty people, they look great, but they all stand in a straight line and one bullet in the right place and you you know all right the last next stage the last game that did that for me i really wanted to buy shadows of mordor i'm a huge lord of the rings fan i mean shoot i've got my dad's 1972 editions of the lord of the ring trilogy where they have like hand-drawn maps in the back that you can pull out nice. so I, I i love tolkien and i was so excited to play what we're gonna be on the shadow side we're gonna be a mordor and all the reviews I was seeing was like, oh, yeah, it's, it's done in, like, 30 hours. If you do the side quests, maybe you get 40 hours. And I was like, what? I was expecting something really deep in depth. I mean, it's, it's Mordor. You probably have, like, a ton of lore that you could write for that, I imagine. I, I would not call that a deep game. On It's all about the personal storylines. Oh, it's all you guys, about the personal storylines. Did you guys play? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I really wanted to, but I couldn't bring myself to. In fact, actually, the oh, last game. Wait, I should? If, yeah, if, wait. Even if you like, right about now, like I'd wait till it was on sale. If you're still kind of in the air about it, yeah. But there is, there even if, like the story itself is kind of is a little lame. I'll I'll put it out there in front. <laughs> it's street. it's pretty lame. But the uh, the interactions between you and the orcs are so fantastic that there's there's it writes there it writes their own storylines. Okay, I, I mean, yeah, I thought that would be the case. I mean, just to give an example of the probably the last couple of games I bought, I bought Ori in the Blind Forest off Steam. I haven't mm. played it yet. I heard it's amazing. Right now I'm finishing uh, Divinity. What is it? Uh, uh, original Sin. Sin. Yeah, Original Sin. I'm at the very tail end of that. And then Sega had, like, a massive Steam sale, and I went and bought Jet Set Radio, Golden Axe, Sonic 1, 2, and 3, and I called it a night. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Yeah. So those old school games, I they have really good <laughs> gameplay. I mean, they're just they're never bad for me, even if their graphics are terribly outdated. Yeah. Uh, next question. So you're currently, I mean, you know, you went to school. You're 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 living the dream right now, making video games. Um, is there uh, is there anything else? Anything else that you'd ever dreamed of doing that you'd love to to kind of try? You know, I I like creative writing, and I've I would always kind of wanted to just take the leap and try to become an actual author of some sort, like doing fantasy novels. I grew up reading fantasy novels. I mean, my dad fed me Lord of the Rings, and then he gave me most of his Wheel of Time when I finished the collection myself. And me and my roommate have about three bookshelves full of uh, Forgotten Realms books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I've, I've loved reading fantasy novels. It's my escape for making video games. You know, it's, oh, my God, this would be so cool. I want to go play with this on a controller. I wish I could do this. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, definitely jump off and maybe do that. Or just go be an explorer, <laughs> an archaeologist. I always thought that would be a cool job, too, like discovering ancient civilizations and that kind of stuff. Because I feel like half the time when I'm making games – it's doing research on stuff like ancient civilizations and tombs and, and looking for some cool lore that I can write about or bring into a video game. So ha- being the person that discovers that to put on the internet so that I can look it up also seems like it would have been a cool job. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, if you got to do all that work anyway, you might as well be out there getting your hands dirty. Right? I mean, who doesn't want to be Indiana Jones? Except not Crystal Skull. Everything before that. <laughs> <laughs> That didn't happen. All right. You didn't see anything. 
Next question. Speaking yeah. of not seeing anything, <laughs> um, so this is this is a pre, kind of, almost like a preamble to the question. Um, have you ever seen John Carpenter's Escape from L.A.? Oh yeah. Definitely. Okay. Perfect. Good. All right. So I don't have to go into a whole lot of depth with this. Um, at the end of the movie, Snake, fantastic person that he is, mm-hmm. um, gets the remote control to the government satellites that shut down all the power and, and take us back to the Stone Age. You get a memo that says that's going down tomorrow morning. What game do you play tonight? Oh, man. Um, you know what? I'm, since I'm feeling extremely nostalgic, I'm hopping right back into Golden Axe. Um, I used to play that game with my dad all the time back in the day on my Sega Genesis. That was probably the first game that we played together, and we played it like religiously. So that's just full of good memories for me. I will take my I will take my dwarf and beat up that little elf to get my mana back and rain down thunder on baddies. <laughs> that is an excellent choice. <laughs> excellent choice. Uh, final question: um, At the end of our lives, when we come to the gates of the Mushroom Kingdom, and Toad is there with the Book of Our Deeds, what would you like him to say to you before he lets you in? Um. <laughs> I I have no idea. I think I would just be more taken back that there's an actual toad that could talk to me. I'd be like, oh wow, who would think mushrooms really could talk to people? <laughs> uh, At um, least the one, you know. Yeah, um, I don't know. Maybe just tell me that I was in like you know the top ten percent. I don't need to be number one, but in the top ten percent works. Like as far as you know, life score, you made it in the top ten. I'd be like, all right, I'm happy with it's that. Your gold ribbon. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Here's honor two. society. Exactly. Put in your three initials, sir, into I don't know where you put them at the end. I guess the clouds. It's, it's, or it's a life's book. life's high score rank, yeah, ranking. Exactly. Yeah. Put put me in the top ten. Let, let me know I was at least in the champion circle. You get to you get to inscribe it on the the bricks that make up the mushroom kingdom. Exactly. Yeah. Excellent. I I love it. That that's a great. Nobody's ever uh, described a possible um, life. Uh, top ten list before. <laughs> That's <laughs> top, perfect. Top ten people who just didn't f yeah, up. You know, <laughs> game's over. Here's the high score list. Sorry you didn't make it. Please try again next time. I figure you have to have that, right? Because I mean, the yeah. gamers at the end of the day, it's it's all about holding it over other people. Like, yeah, I know you got, you know, top like twenty, but I got top ten, so I'm gonna go somewhere else now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally. Uh, well, that's it. You passed. Thank you very much. Um, okay, Jonathan, take, take us home. All right. Well, Connor, thank you so much uh, again for joining us on the podcast. If you could send us out by letting our listeners know where they can go to find out more information about Hanako. Sure. Uh, if you want to find more uh, out about us, you can definitely come visit our Kickstarter. Just look up Hanako on Kickstarter. We will be one of the only two projects that shows up, and you should be able to figure out which one is ours. <laughs> <laughs> and you can also go to HanakoGame.com and visit us there. Uh, you can download the demo from there in case that's easier for you. You can check out some of the lore, some other stuff. There's also a forums page that you can get into from there where all of us are on there from the dev team pretty much. I mean, we're almost always on there, so feel free to ask any questions and we will try to have that particular dev team person that correlates to that question probably just respond to you directly. 
And um, you can always hit us up on Facebook by typing in Hanako Sold the Samurai. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thanks again, and good luck with the uh, the Kickstarter and, you know, actually making the game. I wish you the best of luck. Thank you, guys. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you, too.